I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers. Inspiration, advice, and tips on finding and having a luxurious travel experience on both land and at sea. For more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DK Eyewitness Travel Guides, the guides that show you what others only tell you. For more on the guides linked to the destination in this and other episodes, visit tipsfortravelers.com slash DK. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tips for Travelers. And we're visiting one of my favorite cities in the world today. And it's also one of the cities that was... Uh, one of the very, very first episodes when I first uh, launched Tips for Travellers and we're revisiting it and it's the city of Hong Kong. Fabulous city, very exciting city. It's a, just a great city. And so what I've done is, uh, having spent some more time again in Hong Kong, I went back and uh, have generated this whole new show about Hong Kong and uh, some of the developments and new tips and things like that. So... Um, Let me tell you about some general observations, history, and then we'll get into my very specific tips. One of the things that uh, strikes people uh, the first time they've gone to Hong Kong is just how dense it is with skyscraper after skyscraper after skyscraper. It's just a thick, dense place, packed full of buildings, packed full of people, and hills dotted around. And one of the things that everyone I spoke to, in fact, on this trip, uh, that hadn't been to Hong Kong before was just really surprised how hilly the area is. Uh, they hadn't expected it to be uh, quite so green in, in many places. I think a lot of people think of uh, Hong Kong being very like Singapore, which is basically just all buildings, uh, pretty much. Um, but it's very lush in areas. It's got trees. It's got this very tropical climate, which means that you do have uh, on the hills, it's it's very lush. It's got very twisting roads. It's got steep climbs. And that's why you have things like an outdoor escalator system to help people kind of get uh, up to where they live uh, or and down to where they work. They actually have this escalator system because it's so steep and difficult to, to get around. And I think that's the thing, you know, first-time visitors, and it was me as well the first time I went there many, many years ago, was it's just so much higher than you'd expect. It's so much bigger than you expect. And a lot of people claim that more people live and work above the 15th floor in Hong Kong than anywhere else in the world. And certainly when you're there, you can believe it. It has the most residential blocks above 40 stories high in the world. And it has some of the world's tallest buildings here too. And every time I go, there's just development after development. There's new skyscrapers being built, bigger than the you know the, the next one. Uh, there's, uh, you know, keep working on the metro, new metro lines. Then there's also a redevelopment zones. So the old airport, which uh, you know used to fly right into, uh, in, in Carlin used to fly right in, had been closed. That's all been transformed. Um, but they're actually holding back in terms of um, landfill. So it's really what they're doing with the space they've got is now going upwards and maximizing. The last 
big landfill project seems to be the one when they built the big conference center, which is also the spot where the UK uh, handed it back, uh, handed Hong Kong back to China. More of that a little bit later. So basically, everywhere you go, there's a very intense use of land. So you know, the race course, for example, in Hong Kong, it's got sports field in the middle. It's got high rises all around. So it's it's quite bizarre, you know, because normally you think of a race course, you know, having lots of uh, space, but it's very intense. You know, there's all the stuff going on in the middle and the race course kind of going around it and buildings. And so everywhere is just very dense, very intensely used. Um, it does mean, of course, all this development, that there's not a lot left of the old city around. There's actually scarily few old buildings. There's a few kind of really priceless gems dotted around, but largely speaking, it's kind of just development and newness. Personally, I think it has a stunningly beautiful harbour, the Victoria Harbour. It's one of the deepest natural harbours in the world, which is why uh, Hong Kong is such a great um a uh, place to go for uh, uh, obviously for trade and commerce, but also uh, cruising. But it you know it's it's a very deep harbor. It's a very clean harbor, and in fact the word Hong Kong means fragrant harbor, and they are very fastidious about keeping it uh, very clean and 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 very neat. Hong Kong has a population of about seven million. It's quite a young population. The average age is about forty two, with a long life expectancy um, up to eighty. Now, what's interesting about Hong Kong is there is actually 262 islands with uh, Hong Kong Island itself, uh, Langtao Island, which is where the new airport in Disneyland is, the uh, Kowloon Peninsula and the northern territories to the north of that, which borders China um, across the uh, Sam Chung River or the uh, Shenzhen River. But, But basically... It's 262 islands. So Hong Kong, people, you know, it's not even just Hong Kong island side and Kowloon. It's it's much more complex than that. But the main island is Hong Kong Island, uh, Lang and Langtao Island, and then it's the rest of it's actually on the on the mainland. Um, I mentioned I spoke about the handover there, but for people who don't know, it was actually a British colony until the 30th of June 1997, when it was handed over to the Chinese just after midnight on the 1st of July. And it's um, under what is known as uh, One Country, Two Systems Agreement. So um, basically, although it's part of China, it, it does have a, it, it, it retains a lot of the old kind of uh, system, uh, both uh, economically, it has its own currency actually, um, uh, its own judicial system, it has its own border controls, um, and it's run by a chief executive, which is chosen by the residents. So it's kind of a, a mashup of uh, Chinese and, 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 and kind of British structure, but it's largely keeping its, its old structure, uh, and that's guaranteed for a period of time. But it is uh, nominated um, or allocated as one of China's special zones. Um, so it, there's a big focus on making Hong Kong kind of a robust uh, financial and commercial center because it is a very, very important uh, center. Um, about 95% of the population is ethnic Chinese, um, uh, but the, you know because it was a British colony for so long, you have these kind of strange colonial touches and strong influences. So you know you'll have these very modern buildings, but you'll they're all designed uh, based on very strong feng shui uh, principles. Uh, you know, so for example, HSB, HSBC Bank, um, you know, was designed very carefully to have very good feng shui and actually the bank of china for example a building actually isn't very good feng shui apparently um what's also bizarre so you have this really modern stuff uh, but then and, and very contemporary stuff but then you'll have a lot of traditional stuff so for example you'll find that bamboo scaffolding is still used even on these hyper modern buildings so you'll see 
these really modern buildings, but with uh, very traditional bamboo scaffolding being used to kind of renovate or, or even build them. Um, what else can I tell you? The number four, for example, is unlucky. It's avoided in buildings. So, you know, in some places in the West, you won't have a 13th floor here. You won't have uh, the fourth floor um, often. The other thing that's also interesting, which I didn't know, but I discovered on this trip, is there was a lot of concern, obviously, at the handover time uh, and a lot of uncertainty. So the Hong Kong dollar has a set rate with the US dollar, which was really designed to allay fears of a crash, but all the other currencies fluctuate. So the Hong Kong to US dollar is a fixed rate and the other currencies fluctuate as a way of kind of guaranteeing stability in Hong Kong, although Hong Kong has been very stable. So a lot of the fears that people had didn't uh, come to pass. One of the exciting things about Hong Kong is you have Hong Kong by day and then Hong Kong by night and it transforms at night. So uh, lights, basically. Skyscrapers have lots of effects. So they might have neon lights, uh, you know, writing things or they'll have special effects going up and down them. So it's a whole light show at night. And then at eight o'clock at night, they have actually have a light show using all the buildings. It's it's known as the biggest and longest running permanent show. It's on Hong Kong Island. And then more recently now at nine o'clock on ICC, which is the International Commerce Building, which uh, was the largest building in the world briefly in, uh, for a period of time, um, which in, in Kuala Lumpur, across the Victoria Harbour, does a show as well. But it's, it's very exciting. So you have this beautiful harbour and everything during the day. Uh, with all these beautiful buildings and, and everything going on there at night, it just transforms and it's very magical. Um, so so it, 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 it's this kind of contrast uh, everywhere you go. So um, another contrast is you've got you know, in, incredible wealth and uh, poverty almost next to it. So you have these luxury blocks and then very poor grubby housing. You'll have you know glitzy, shining buildings and then you'll have grubby buildings you'll have street markets but then next door you'll have designer shops so it's a very interesting mishmash and and clash of cultures um, but it makes it very cosmopolitan there's lots going on it's very buzzy it's very busy but there's a real energy and pace and noise about it english is spoken extremely widely because of its uh, british heritage it's actually one of the two official languages uh, with obviously chinese uh, being being the other and another great thing about hong kong is it's a very connected city. You'll find lots of free Wi-Fi around. I think probably almost all the cities I've been to in Asia, this is one of the best in terms of finding Wi-Fi. It's, it's very forward-thinking in, in that perspective. So let's start back very briefly, talk about the history. I've obviously touched a lot on the history, but I thought I'd maybe just touch a little bit on it again, and then we'll get into some very specific tips. So basically, let's talk about how uh, kind of Hong Kong happened. So Trade is really important, and Hong Kong is very important as a sense of, of trade, both in terms of goods, but also now as kind of a financial center and, and so on. So uh, it was a real hub uh, for trade, and especially the opium trade, which was then heading into China, and, and it was booming in the mid-1800s, and the British basically were uh, importing and exporting loads of opium in, into China and, of course, making lots of money. So the Chinese uh, emperor decided, you know, opium as a drug was a really bad thing and decided that he was going to try and stop the trade. And so it, what he did is he destroyed a cargo, uh, which then escalated into war. And there was two very powerful traders, uh, Jardine and Matheson. And you might recognize those names because Jardine and Matheson is, is still today a massively big trading company uh, and with huge big offices in Hong Kong. But anyway, at that time, uh, they were involved in the opium trade and other sorts of trade. And they actually were so influential, they convinced the British government to intervene. And um, they actually took Hong Kong Island uh, during the Opium War and um, 
the British won the war and the island was given to the British. There was a, a conflict a little bit later on where they were also, um, uh, so, th- so th- they had Hong Kong Island, but then they wanted to expand and they were given a 99-year lease on Kowloon, which is across from Hong Kong Island um, and the Northern Territories. So actually, uh, legally speaking, Britain didn't have to give back kind of the Hong Kong Island part, but it had to give back uh, parts like the Northern Territory. And that's actually what uh, facilitated the whole big structure because that's all kind of was one one place. Lots of panic before that handover happened, and Chris Patton was the governor, uh, finding the negoti- uh, negotiation year antagonized the Chinese a lot. But basically, I think everyone felt that in the end there was a good deal done, and uh, it, it was handed over to China, and uh, the end of the world didn't happen. Um, and of course, we'll have to see what happens over time. But I think it's, it's such a successful place, and it's so important that I'm pretty sure we'll see Hong Kong, uh, uh, you know, run in a way that makes sure that happened. So let's talk a little bit about getting there. I mean, Hong Kong Internet, uh, International Airport is one of the most busiest uh, in the region, if not the world, I'm guessing. It's actually built on reclaimed land on Langtao Island. And there used to be this uh, airport which you'd fi- fly into Kuala Lumpur and you were flying basically right into town. So this is much further out. It has 100 airlines. It's got 55 million passengers a, a, a year. And when you drive from Langtao Island uh, into into Hong Kong, it's a beautiful Bridge, uh, which is over two kilometers long, the Tsing Ma Bridge, um, and so it's, it's a very beautiful way uh, to come in. Cruising is is also very big, um, and if you listen to any of the podcasts, I've been talking about Asia and Australia. You know, cruising is starting to become very big. So not only in terms of flying into Hong Kong, you can fly in from just about almost anywhere in the world these days, but cruising is becoming very big. And there's a very important new terminal opened, um, which is uh, called Kai Tak. And it opened in 2014. It was designed by the British architect Norman Foster. And it's uh, on the site of the old, that old airport runway. So it's a great location on, on Kuala Lumpur. And there's also Ocean Terminal, uh, which is next to the Star Ferry uh, as well. So ships go in there. But, but uh, Kai Tak is really where it will go. So it's a beautiful modern building. These incredible gardens on, on the top. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it. it Cruising, cruising, cruising is going to become really big there, and it is a very um, important part not only for uh, Chinese uh, and, and Asian cruising, but also on world cruises and, and and that kind of stuff. But certainly, flying in is is the currently the most popular. But it's it's a great place to cruise in because you're very central. It's very easy to get to get around. So the best time to go, well, it's hot and humid most of the year round. It's coldest in January, but when I say coldest, it only goes down to about 16 degrees Celsius. It's hottest in July, about 28 degrees Celsius. Uh, so it's kind of the Northern Hemisphere kind of uh, uh, you know seasons, if, if you like, but it doesn't get Northern Hemisphere kind of coldness. So it's very hot. It's very humid. Um, and when you're planning to go, the Chinese New Year is a really big deal. And Hong Kong is renowned for the celebrations and events. So it's really worth, uh, you know, if you're looking at going when Chinese New Year is and considering it, obviously, it's very busy and, and, and maybe quite expensive. But it's certainly renowned as one of the uh, greatest places to celebrate Chinese New Year. Also in March, there's a very big entertainment expo and film festival. So again, there's some of, some of these big events. But I would say basically, you know, you want to go sort of, um, you know, Northern Hemisphere kind of summery time if you want really great weather. Um, and um, Chinese New Year, very exciting. In terms of where to stay, um, I would actually say it's great staying on the Kowloon side in things like the Sheraton and Intercontinental, which face across to the Hong Kong Island. 
Um, or you've got the very famous Peninsula Hotel, which is next to the Sheraton. Uh, that's quite a, that's very expensive. But those hotels, you look right across to Hong Kong Island, so you get this beautiful classic view of Hong Kong. And also, you it's a great place to watch. Uh, you know, at night, not only does it look great at night, but you get that the best place to really watch um, the light the light show um, at at night. So, in terms of getting around Hong Kong, uh, let's talk about there's lots of options actually, loads and loads of options. Um, I'll talk about the walking one first. Actually, you have these covered walkways everywhere which link places all over the Hong Kong Islands. So um, it's partly to avoid people having to walk across the roads. You'll find lots of covered walkways, sort of risen covered walkways over the main uh, roads. Then you have what's known as the Mid-Levels Escalator, which is the world's largest outdoor covered elevator, which basically, as I said, takes people sort of from up on the hills and all the uh, accommodation and blocks uh, down into the offices or to get the ferry across to uh, Kowloon to, to work and then takes them back. The one big watch out about the uh, the elevator uh, or escalator, should I say, is um, it changes direction based on the time of day. So obviously in the morning it's bringing people down, and later on it's taking people up. So if you are planning to use use it, then you know make sure that you know which direction is going because you might find you end up having to walk uh, all the way back down again or walk all the way up depending on which way you're going. So um, a couple of other ways of getting around. They have these um, really unusual looking trams. They're very long thin trams and uh, they were actually uh, date right back to 1904 they were double decker trams and um they're very strange because they do look kind of they're very thin and very long uh, very thin very high and uh, as i said they were introduced in 1904 and it's about 160 of them run around uh, the town and they were actually kept when despite when the modern metro system was was put in because they basically followed more or less the same route as the metro, the underground metro. But they'd become so sort of um, entrenched and and, and uh, uh, iconic and, and a symbol of Hong Kong. So the population were very fond of these trams. So they actually kept them going. That's quite nice because it does add a sort of a, a, an old-fashioned touch. Uh, and they are really uh, bizarrely um, fascinating, I think. Um, as I've already mentioned, you've got the metro which is pretty modern, it's very new, it's uh, fairly comprehensive, very easy to use. In terms of um, buses, buses are probably not a great idea to use. You've got over 700 routes, um, uh, about five companies, and you've got, they're quite small buses, though. they're, they're about 16-seater buses, and they tootle all around, And but you kind of need to know your way around. So unless you're with a local, um, it's probably best to avoid the buses, because by the time you work them out, you've probably used up most of your time there on a holiday. Um, in terms of hop on hop off buses, uh, big bus tours is probably the best uh, one to do, um, and big bus um, tours you know run to all around the world, and they have a couple of tours. So they have daytime tours, they also have a nighttime tour. Um, they have various combinations of routes. So they have one which does does Hong Kong Island. They'll have one which just does Kowloon. They'll have one that does Hong Kong Island, goes to Aberdeen Stanley Market. The, you know, the nighttime one does some of the key night markets and the light show, and 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 they sell tickets with various options where you can go up um, the tramway up to uh, Victoria Peak and Sampan rides. So it's it's there's lots of different options, but broadly speaking, there's there's, there's sort of a couple of main ones. There's one that goes around Hong Kong Island, one that goes around. Uh, Kowloon, and then one which does a combination of Hong Kong Island, Aberdeen, and Stanley. So, but basically, there's uh, there's maps on on the buses, and it's relatively inexpensive. And you know, it's just a case of uh, 
uh, or figure out which ones uh, you, you want to do. In terms of the metro and the buses, there's an, what's known as an octopus card, which is a preloaded card. So you need to preload the card. So if you've ever been in London, you'll know the Oyster card, for example, which you preload up and then you just uh, tap in and out. Uh, that's the system. So you need to get an, an, an octopus card if you want to use the buses um, or the metro um, and and so on. So let's get on to some more tips, things to do. I, I'm going to give you a couple of general tips, actually. English, I've already said, is really good. Lots of Wi-Fi, I've already said. If you're worried about plugs, it's the UK3 style pin plug. So it's, it's very UK-like. So if you're coming from Europe, we're coming for the United States. You need the equivalent uh, adapter as uh, the UK's got, uh, which is three pin. The other tip I've got is there's a very good app. And again, the app really works because of Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, it's called Discover Hong Kong, and it's developed by the Hong Kong Tourism Board and Cathay Pacific. Uh, with Cathay Pacific is the big Hong Kong-based airline. And the map actually does work offline anyway. So even if um, you're not connected, uh, once you download the app, the maps work offline, which is great. And also what they have is a, s- a number of walks in it. So you've got the island walk, heritage walk, cities walks, things like that. So it's really great if you want to see around, download the app, Discover Hong Kong, it's called. Uh, and you can, should be able to get that in both uh, iOS and Android. And it's a really good app. Um, and it, it helps you walk around, find your way around. Really, really good. So I would actually recommend that app rather than actually you know going and getting... Um, uh, some of the tourist leaflets and things, the app actually replaces that. I guess a lot of places apps will ultimately replace the sort of tourism board leaflets. Let's talk about things to do. I would say um, the most important thing to do, in my mind, is Victoria Peak. Victoria Peak is this massive big hill uh, on Hong Kong Island. Um, there's a tram which was launched in 1888. It's an eight-minute ride up. There's a couple of stops on the way. Make sure you go on a clear day because if it's cloudy, uh, you will see absolutely nothing. But once you're up there, I mean, it's very steep. You've got this really, really steep way in the tram. Uh, in the old days, actually, it was sedan chairs carried up uh, by people. But uh, once you're on the top there, there's a shopping mall, there's restaurants, uh, things, Starbucks, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, lots of sort of tourist uh, places. The Madame Tussauds is, is up there. But what's really up there and is just amazing is the views. There's also a, a phenomenal 360-degree uh, viewing platform on top of an anvil, it's it's kind of like an anvil-shaped building, uh, which was all revamped, I think, about 2006. And you can go up the top there, and you can get 360 views, 360-degree views all around, and it's just beautiful. But if you don't want to go up up that part, you still from the top of the hill uh, near where all the shops are, you get phenomenal views across. I mean, it really is absolutely breathtakingly stunning. And um, although the tram doesn't hold that many people, it's it's quite efficient actually um, at getting people up and down there. Um, Always a tip to do is try and go a little bit earlier um, in the morning. But as I said, make sure it's not cloudy. Otherwise, you're going to see absolutely nothing. The second thing to do is the Star Ferry. Now, the Star Ferry is a kind of an icon of uh, Hong Kong. It's been running since the 1870s. Uh, they transport something like 70,000 people a day, if not more. It takes seven minutes from Hong Kong to Kowloon Ocean Terminal. Um, the people working on there mostly wear blue sailor outfits. It runs from six in the morning to eleven thirty at night. It's um, basically, you know, it's, it's this ferry and very efficient, and it just shunts people between the island and Kowloon backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Uh, very efficient system. As it's a couple of minutes, it's very inexpensive, and you've got to do it. Um, it partly because it's such a, a a thing to do, but also you get a chance to take some really good photographs of the island. It's it's, it's really good. 
Saying that, I would also encourage you to do a harbour tour. There's lots of uh, options. You obviously got the Star Ferry, but you can do like a sailing junk. It's an old-fashioned uh, junk. It looks like an old junk, but it's not really. Uh, it's, it's kind of a motorised uh, junk boat trip. It's 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 really good, and they'll take you all around the harbour. You get phenomenal photographs. Um, doing it at night's great. Uh, it's really good, actually, particularly at night uh, when you when you get to see the um, you know the light show uh, from from the harbour looks fantastic. Um, also down sort of around the harbour is visit the site of the handover ceremony uh, near the conference centre. There's this very large gold flower memorial, um, which which is which is pretty impressive. So um, the other thing I would say, and I've kind of spoken about it a bit, I guess, but do make sure that you plan to tour Hong Kong at night. So you know you might go on the hop on off of bus you know see things you might go to victoria peak do the star ferry but i would also plan to see hong kong at night the night bus tour is fantastic uh you get to see because hong kong really buzzes and comes alive at night there's neon everywhere obviously you've got the light show the symphony of lights let me talk about the symphony of lights a little bit because i have touched on a couple of times there's 45 skyscrapers on both sides although looking from the column across the hong kong is is best so you go to where the avenue of the stars is and um, or, or from a boat if you're doing the boat tour but there's 45 skyscrapers and it is really just uh, fantastic it's it's it really is just very uh, it's really good fun and 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 whatnot um the other the other thing to then do i think is is again at night is if you also take a walk all around the hong kong side um in uh, in an area called wang chai which uh, Years ago, it used to be favorite uh, favorite for uh, servicemen and a bit seedy, but now there's lots of market shops and that sort of stuff. And in Kowloon, if you're looking uh, at night, is go along Nathan Street. And Nathan Street runs from Avenue of Stars, which is right uh, on the harbor, uh, and and basically runs upwards. But it's it's where kind of you, know, you can get a bus down there, and it's it's lots of neon and lots of stores. It's it's really it's really good fun. In terms of shopping, let's talk a little bit about uh, shopping, and then I'll talk about uh, a couple of the fun things to do in in Hong Kong. Is shopping is pretty good, and prices are pretty good because they do not have sales tax. Uh, sales tax uh, is a duty-free port, so generally it's pretty good, particularly for things like electronics. Shops are open pretty much every day and for really long hours. It, and a couple of fun things to do if you want to go shopping. Stanley Market uh, is a very, very popular stop, particularly for tourists uh, on Hong Kong Island. Um, in reality, I thought it was going to be a much bigger market than it is. It's not that big, but it's it's been going for a very long time and it's very famous. It, it, unlike many markets, it's basically you'll find most of the stores are fixed fixed price um, and very um, limited bargaining. It's but it's very tourist friendly and very English speaking, um, and and it's not really a place that the locals go to because it's really a touristy kind of trap. But that's quite interesting. Um, Central District, which is where all the high end stores are, uh, and where you can also get and head up the escalator system. Another very popular place for people to go to is Hollywood Road. This is where all the antiques and art shops are. You've got um, uh, one of the specialities of the areas is mammoth tusk carving. So you've got um, you know, these literally mammoths frozen in ice and their tusks uh, and carvings. And, and you've got all the, like, the, the Weepo Kok Antique Company and the Yu Gang Tang Antique, antique Gallery. But also on Hollywood Road is you've got the Manmo Temple. 
and that's a popular stop which is why people go so they can look at the art and the antiques but go to the Manmo temple which is uh, a temple where you can go and you burn incense and you uh, make wishes and burn it on paper and it's a very popular temple to go to um, then in terms of markets you've got the ladies market and the temple street night market which are much more traditional style markets the ladies market and the temple street night market and you'll find that the hop on hop of bus for example uh, will get you to those so just look at the maps and choose the route that takes you to those those markets um, and they're very popular um, if you want to go a little bit um, and do some other things let me tell you some other things so those are those to me are almost like the must do things in hong kong a couple of other things that are worth doing is aberdeen town of aberdeen which is again on hong kong island is very popular stop you can do it on the hop on hop off bus uh, but it's also very popular for tourists to go into the little sampan tour so these are these funny little boats um and you go out for i don't know 15 20 minutes uh with these uh, very fearsome normally uh, chinese ladies driving you around in them and you basically tour aberdeen harbor and all the boats uh, there and in there they have um some very famous restaurants these massive big restaurants which are floating restaurants with big neon and so at night they look particularly good but basically it's a fishing village and a luxury marina um, place but Aberdeen is very popular and particularly if you do sort of organized tours uh, you will find you go to Aberdeen or as I said on the hop on hop of bus which will include the sampan tour in in the ticket another popular thing to do is to go for traditional colonial afternoon tea at the Peninsula Hotel uh, Peninsula Hotel is a very famous hotel. It's got a heli- helipad on the roof where you can do scenic helicopter rides. Um, it has Rolls Royces and flash cars that ferry guests around. Uh, it was the the, the town's uh, the city's first luxury hotel, um, and uh, it, you know it's it's a very popular place to go. It's it's uh, and they have a band playing and stuff. Um, very expensive to go for afternoon tea, but it's kind of a bit of an institution. If you want to do uh, things with families, like beaches, for example, the probably one of the nicest to go to is a place called Repulse Bay. Again, you can get there on the hop on hop off bus. It's quite an upmarket area. It's where a lot of the expat live. There's some very fabulous um, apartment blocks, including one which uh, has what's known as the Dragon's Cave Hall in, um, because um, when they were doing all the feng shui and everything, there was, they decided there was a, a Dragon's Cave behind this. So there's a hole, basically, so the dragon can come charging out and blow flames out or whatever um but it's uh it's uh some very nice apartment blocks there and it's all well protected and, and very nice in terms of theme parks there's two big theme parks so if you're there in hong kong with families that are very popular you've got disneyland uh hong kong uh and i guess does everyone knows what disneyland is it's one of the smaller uh disneylands in the world uh has had mixed success but it was always popular and then there's um a more local one called ocean park which is uh, a more traditional um, theme park, you know, with more traditional kind of uh, rides, uh, but a very popular, uh, very popular indeed place. Um, and again, you can actually get on that uh, uh, as one of the stops on the hop on hop off bus, uh, but uh, very popular. So Disneyland and Ocean Park. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the people that I know with kids, they actually almost had more fun at Ocean Park than, than Disneyland because it's, 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 you know, a more traditional, more old fashioned one. And it's really quite fab. You have, um, uh, it's right up, up on the top of the hill. So actually, uh, at various parts when you're on a tour around Hong Kong, you can see Ocean Park right on there at the top of the hill. I haven't spoken a lot about museums, and uh, I must admit I haven't been to a lot of the museums in Hong Kong because I've been doing all these kind of other things out and about and sort of soaking up Hong Kong. But there are um, some very good museums. You can get a seven-day museum pass if you're there for a week. The, the best museums are the Museum of Art, the Space Museum, 
the Science Museum and the Museum of History. So art, space, science, and history. Those are those are the main ones. The other thing that people do a lot of in Hong Kong is to go to Macau. Uh, and you can get there on a high-speed ferry as a day trip, or you can go there on a bus. And Macau is kind of the Las Vegas of Asia. In fact, many of the big Las Vegas players uh, run uh, hotels and casinos there. Uh, very popular to go and sort of gamble for the day. So uh, we met quite a few people who were in Hong Kong and part of the time they were going to spend uh, on their trip was heading off to Macau. So those are kind of my tips uh, and, and things to do. It's a very vibrant place and it's really about getting out and experiencing things. But, you know, you must do the Victoria's Peak. You must do the Star Ferry. You sh- must do the Harbour Tour. You should really see Hong Kong at night. It's very exciting. And, you know, shopping is, is great. If you want to do some more sort of traditional things, you've got your Aberdeen with your Sampan tour, your traditional colonial tea. Uh, and, of course, if you've got kids, you've got the theme parks, lots of fun. And then uh, the museums as well, which are which are pretty good fun. If you want to find out uh, other things to do or you want a guide, uh, you know, uh, DK have a guide for Hong Kong. It's the DK uh, Eyewitness Top 10 Hong Kong Guide. And if you want to find out uh, more about that or buy that, uh, if you visit tipsoftravelers.com slash DK, you can find uh, links to that guide and more about that guide there. The other thing I would say is uh, if you listen to this and not a subscriber, it'd be great if you did subscribe. Or if you are a subscriber, I'd really appreciate it if uh, you left a review. It makes a huge difference to how the podcast does and how it appears in the various um, podcast uh, um, stores and directories and means more people can find the podcast, which is great. So I'd really appreciate it if you did uh, leave a review. So if you use iTunes, for example, uh, if you went to, if you go to tipsoftravelers.com slash iTunes TFT. So again, it's iTunes TFT standing for Tips for Travelers. So iTunes TFT, it'll take you there to iTunes and then you can uh, subscribe or leave a review. It'd be great. If you use Stitcher, it's again tipsoftravelers.com slash Stitcher TFT. Same thing. You can subscribe if you prefer using Stitcher, if you like on Android or whatever. Uh, and or leave uh, reviewings. And if you prefer uh, TuneIn uh, Radio, then uh, you'll find that at tipsoftravelers.com slash TuneIn. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you either subscribe or leave a review. Hopefully you've enjoyed finding about Hong Kong and it's inspired you. And uh, if you want to find out more, you visit tipsoftravelers.com, of course. And until next time, here's to happy, safe and fabulous travels. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.